Welcome everyone to the Dining on a Dime podcast, where we give you tips on how to save on your monthly food budget. Now we give you the absolute best foodie news, and our professionals will give you recipes and cooking tips. So let's get the show started. All right, welcome to Dining on a Dime. We are so excited. Today is our winter food show. We're recording this the second Tuesday in November. Pretty soon it's going to start getting snowy and blustery, and we have cooking tips for you for the winter time. Uh, 30 minutes into the podcast, I said, "What? who better knows winter than people in Canada? So we have a chef from Canada who's going to also give you tips on winter foods. Uh, 45 minutes into the show, we cannot deny our Pennsylvania listeners. You guys are doing great. We want to thank you, your heavy listeners, every week. So 45 minutes into the program, we're going to give you interviews with two outstanding cheesesteak places in the Philadelphia Tri-State area. But the first 45 minutes is for our listeners around the world. So let's get started. Let's talk about winter foods. Brussels sprouts have four times vitamin C than oranges. So who would have thought? You always eat an orange, right, for vitamin C? Brussels sprouts actually give you four times the amount of vitamin C. Leeks were eaten by the Roman Emperor Nero because he, he was convinced it helped him with his singing voice. <laughs> so if you want to help your singing voice, eat some leeks. Uh, George Washington Carver. Can I interrupt for yeah, one good. second? If you also want to sing and, and help your singing voice, uh, lemon water. There you go. There's a foodie tip. Uh, George Washington Carver developed 118 products, all from sweet potatoes, including glue for postage stamps. How about that? All right, let's get the show started. We're talking about what can I eat, what can I throw together in wintertime. It's 40 below. Right now we have people across the country that have had snow. So let's start with our panel. Matt Maratea is our alcohol expert. Uh, and then we have our food photojournalist, Amaris Pollock. Uh, guys, let's start giving some tips. These guys are tuning in to see what they can cook during the winter. Who wants to go first? Well, you mentioned Brussels sprouts yes. right off the top, which is a great source of vitamin C, which you're not going to get so much during uh, the winter months. That's true. Not going to spend a ton of time outside. And if you do, not going to spend a ton of, uh, ton of time in the sun. So vitamin C through the Brussels sprouts is great. But also, if you want to get a little bit more fat, which people tend to do during the uh, – well, more fat in your diet, uh, which people do during the winter months, uh, frying up some bacon and then cooking that with the Brussels sprouts. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's my go-to. Okay. You so do that, gonna... maybe a little like red wine vinegar uh, on top of that. It's a great combo. There's a winter dish for you. What about you, Amherst? Great side. What is your go-to winter dish? I mean, I love myself some meat. I okay. have not been shy about that in on this program. Um, so I actually like to slow roast things because it also makes things much more tender, your meat much more tender. So if you just actually roast it, um, I add a little bit of stock at the bottom of every pan just to like add in that extra moisture. Um, and just slow roast it at a low temperature for about, you know, well, it depends on what you're cooking. Um, I recently slow roasted 
roasted a chicken with lots of herbs and you go under the skin and above the skin with your herbs and then, you know, add some some butter because I'm sorry, but fat just makes everything taste better. (laughs) I agree. And um, and slow roast it. And additionally, um, people think I'm like silly for doing this, or at least some people think I'm silly for doing this. But. I cook the t- um, my poultry upside down so that the meat is just like in that all the juices that that are coming off of it that are that it's cooking in and it just tastes so good because it's so tender and so juicy. What about you, Matt? What about alcohol in the winter? Well, you know, I want to I want to get a hot chocolate but what can i put in there (laughs) oh come on (laughs) you have lots of options when it comes to hot chocolate i mean i I think the whipped vodka uh you know probably a little bit something higher class than pinnacle whipped right (laughs) but yeah (laughs) anything whipped cream flavor uh that goes really well with the chocolate uh obviously i'm a huge fan myself of the hot toddy so I love getting, you know, a little bit of bourbon, a little bit of whiskey, throwing that in with my tea. Uh, I had one the other night. I was doing – I did like a, a cinnamon and vanilla tea. Okay. That I added just a little bit of uh, bourbon from Hewn Spirits that's up in Peddler's Village too. Okay. It was great. I, I sank into my chair put me in a perfectly relaxed mood i'll tell you what let's talk about uh what to do in a snowstorm you're you're snowed in now one of our money saving tips which we will be giving in the next uh, over the next 15 minutes says that you bake something in the oven or you cook something in the oven and then you crack that oven door is there anything we can cook uh, in the oven that would heat the house, you know, make the house warm and cozy? I mean, it's not meant so much to heat your entire house, unless if your house is, you but know. But I'm saying you can warm the you, kitchen. Yes, like, you can yeah, warm yeah. up the kitchen by cracking it open after right, you finish Right, after you're cooking. finished, yes. Yeah, and you so turn when, the oven off. When your oven is cooling off, you know, that heat, while it's cooking, it's already heating up your, right. your kitchen. So when you open that up, all of that steam, you see it rise out of the oven, you know, in in. Yes, if you keep the oven open, um, it'll all that heat will escape out. Now, if you crack it, here's the difference: crack it. Don't open it all the way because That's exactly right. Yeah, because if you tip. leave it wide open, you're going to lose all that heat rapidly. Whereas if it's just cracked, it's going to slowly come out. Nice, and that was a tip that is on our money saving tips. We'll be getting into that in around 15 minutes. Yeah, the but small- they do tell you to crack it. The smaller your apartment, the, the yes, longer yes, that goes. Yeah, I, exactly. That's what I was going to say. If I'll you sleep what. next to the kitchen, that's great. We're, we're, <laughs> we're actually going to throw in some uh, mind-blowing facts in between, and one of them is that soup has been around and recorded ever since uh, 6,000 B.C. So do you guys have a go-to favorite soup recipe? My uh, own. <laughs> but what, what is it? Though? What is the? I comment? mean, I it's I I switch it up. Um, okay. I like okay. So f- for instance, the chicken that I had made, I'm taking the carcass and I'm gonna break the bones open so that the marrow can come out. Add in a little bit of apple cider vinegar into that with water and um, with more of the. Uh, 
the ingredients that I use to flavor it in the first place and, you know, let that steep, add in some veggies too. All of that stuff is just going to like cook slow, slowly over like a 12 to depending on how long you want to do this for. Um, some people do it for 24 hours. I think minimally all you need is 12 hours um, and you get a really nice bone broth and nice. then you build off of that. And then the flavors go right into the... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And strain. Obviously, you're going to like strain out all of that, uh, (laughs) all of the carcass um, out of that that liquid, too. But yes, all of it will infuse into your soup. So then, you know, you take that broth and then you put in like the the meat of the chicken and, you know, additional veggies and and whatnot that you want. And then um, noodles. Egg noodles is the preferred version of noodles in uh, my household soups. All right, what about you, Mr. Maritaya? Uh, any tips, uh, tricks that we can use in the winter? Well, I, if we're talking about soups, uh, I love, you know, my, you know, Italian classics like, you know, your pasta fagioli or uh, yes. I li- uh, make a little chicken pastine. But my uh, my favorite thing is uh, sausage and pepper soup. Oh, right. whoa, whoa, go ahead. Talk about it. Well, so essentially I take... Uh, I do like a little uh, a tomato broth with a little kick to it, and then from there, uh, you cook your sausages and peppers, and you know you add a little onions, and it's almost like you're you're making a sandwich, about that? but that you eat with the spoon, and then of course you get your nice little bread on the side, but it's uh, it's a great tomato What's broth. What's your go to? What is your go to <laughs> bread for soup? What is your go-to bread? A lot of people use different kinds of bread. What do, what do you think is best for soup? I like a hearty Italian. Yeah, it's got to be something with a nice crust to it for okay. dipping. Yeah, because there's some people that like rye. Are you not a rye person? I like rye. It would just uh, it's not something I would typically have in the house. I think right. And we talked about this on the show before. French onion soup. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that? Cognac. What is the alcohol they put in French onion soup? Sherry. Sherry. Cooking sherry, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So you guys add sherry to your soup on your French onion soup? Yeah, when it calls for it, of course. Sounds good. All right, let's give a couple more interesting facts. Hershey's started wrapping kisses in red, green, and silver foil in 1962. That was kind of recent, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I thought that was interesting. Uh, They now wrap 1,300 kisses every minute. Uh and what about other oh what about other uh, foods Matt what is your other go to it's 75 below 0 what am i cooking can I uh, jump yeah, myself? I don't know. Seventy-five <laughs> below zero. I'm dead. <laughs> um, I would. I mean, I wouldn't say seventy-five below zero. That that yes would be. I think physically impossible. Um, <laughs> but uh, I w- another tip to keep yourself warm um, in the winter time is when you cook, add in cinnamon um, into your your ingredient, like into whatever you're making. Uh, cinnamon naturally uh, elevates your temperature. Oh, so you know if we're gonna bounce back to the hot chocolate. If you're making hot chocolate, you can make. Mess. Is that why cinnamon's popular? Actually, I, I've had a lot of places offer cinnamon and hot chocolate. I mean, it just it actually emphasizes the the chocolate notes. Nice. Um, in general, and then on top of that, yes, it elevates your your temperature. So I think it's a more of a tasting thing that they're offering it, and a preference versus heating yourself up 
but it just naturally does, you know, elevate your temperature. And then um, also when you're making soups or whatnot, you can add in um, like a nice, like you said, peppers, but now I'm going to bounce to actual like jalapeno peppers and things that, you know, will naturally heat it up and give you that spice because the spicier something is, the warmer your temperature is going to be. Right. That's why you sweat when you eat uh well, the reason that we are relying on you guys is because the show I wrote has facts such as this. In 1974, Siberia reached 96 degrees uh, below zero. <laughs> so just so you know. <laughs> Not much food, but uh, that was the uh, minus 96 degrees. How is that even possible? Yeah, minus 96 degrees Fahrenheit in 1974. What do you eat in Siberia? A tiger? Like, what? <laughs> There's no way to survive that. That's and why whale. it's deserted. Whale and, fat? <laughs> and here's an interesting stat. Most weather-related accidents happen on wet roads, and only 17% happen in snow. You would think, you know, people are so nervous about driving in snow because of accidents. Turns I don't know. Out, watch, watch the news during right, the exactly. snowstorm. But most weather-related accidents happen because the road is wet, and only 17% happen in actual snowstorms. So I can I imagine that. People drive a lot more confidently in rain, thinking, that oh, I see this every day, right? Right. Snow, everything comes to a halt. People just generally slow up. And before we go to break, 12% of the earth is covered in snow and ice. 12% of the entire earth is covered in snow and ice. We're going to get back. When we come back, we're going to give you money-saving tips. What can I? How can I save money in the winter? We're also going to give you cooking tips uh, that are inexpensive when we get back. You can now listen to all of our past Dining on a Dime podcast, plus See over 600 restaurant reviews with photos by going to www.phillyrestaurantreviews.com. All right, we are back. Our winter food show. We're talking, what is? what can I make? It's 70 below. There are places in the country right now that are in snow. I think it was Wyoming just had a huge snowstorm. I can't remember. Montana or one of them uh, places. Uh... Denver's recently gotten Denver some snow. Denver has gotten yeah. snow. So we're giving you tips on what you can cook in a snowstorm if you're in the cold weather during the winter. Now, we're going to do a Thanksgiving show, so I want to make this clear. Our Thanksgiving show is an annual show. It's a huge hit, and we have chefs in the, in the studio. This year, we're going to have home cooks and chefs in studio. That'll be the Tuesday right before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So any other winter foods that you guys want to give tips on? Because my script is mainly for winter. Go ahead. Well, I would say uh, as, as somebody who values staying warm and staying alive during the winter, uh, but also I, I love food, so I'm constantly eating, but I, I always try to preach good fats. Like this is the time of year when I find myself, uh, I've been going through uh, like pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds, uh, almonds, things like that. I'm loving, you know, my good fats right now. And those, I think, are really good ways to be able to keep yourself going throughout a day and, and keep yourself warm and have the energy, right? Because yeah. once it starts to get dark, you start getting that seasonal uh, affective disorder. Uh, you start not wanting to do things after <laughs> 5 o'clock. Right. right. Yeah. Um, I'm going to jump off of that because seeds are, you know, 
uh, like coat kind of are copacetic with uh, a vegetarian vegetarian diet. And um, if you want to have a high nutritional value and protein value and the good fats, you can go with lentils, like a lentil soup or, you know, use your legumes. Um, you know, for our vegetarians that are out there, like obviously, a you know, cooking with lentils and legumes and quinoa and, and whatnot, like has high protein and high nutritional values. And, you know, if you want to stay warm, if you want to save money, it's also something that you can play with. So if you're not a vegetarian, you can add that into some of your other meals that you're making. Switch it up. Do meal preps. What about tips on chili? What do you guys do? you have any chili tips if I'm making chili? A lot of people cook chili. Interestingly enough, a lot of restaurants do not sell chili unless it's the winter or the cold weather. Well, there's a couple of things here, and almost jumping back off that last one, yep. if you think about it, like who eats the most uh, like lentil soup, right? The Italians, yeah, who generally have one of the longest lifespans out of anybody, so it's got to be good for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those people they're having they're drinking wine every day and still smoking, and they're you know centenarians. <laughs> so, but uh, in terms of chili, there's the debate, right? Beans. Or no beans. Yes. What is your I thought? Say, I say go beans. I say beans because it fills you up. I don't think it needs to have beans to be a chili, but I like beans. And I yeah, think it just it I'm, just makes sense texture-wise to me. Is there any added ingredients that you would recommend that is be a good tip for the folks? Or is it just really meat and beans? No, it's not just meat and beans. So what would your secret uh, ingredient be? I mean, I don't know if it's so much secret, but I like adding cumin into it. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. Is there anything you would do? You could do that. I mean, obviously, I got to throw my onions in there. I, I need onions in everything, practically. Uh, it, it depends, I think, on what kind of meat base I'm going to use. Okay. Right? Like, if I have the if I have the ground beef... Then I could use something like cumin, like uh, or but if I have, say, uh, a ground turkey, I'm gonna lean maybe towards a different spice. Right? Oh, see, I still stick with cumin, but I'm like a huge fan of it. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I, I lean to like if it's chicken, obviously I'd probably stray stay away from that. But like beef and and uh, turkey, for some reason, I, I like adding cumin into it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Paprika, you know, add yeah, in your... Paprika, definitely. Yeah. Paprika is a must. A, a huge must. Mm -hmm. All right. So we got, we gave you tips for chili, tips for soup, uh, tips for, can anyone think of another uh, winter food item that we can uh, jazz up or we can, you know, we can do something with? And while you guys are thinking, I'm going to give you... Not so much thinking. Obviously, brisket. Go oh, for okay. brisket. I nice. mean, for me, that's like a huge warm weather meal. Like, I, I love brisket. I, brisket's a, a kind of an anytime thing, though. I mean, you think about barbecue and you think brisket, right? See, but that's not necessarily something I associate with winter. See, I, I associate it with winter hardcore. Like, okay. And then, yes, barbecue brisket is, is commonplace, but I, for, like, when I make brisket, I usually make it in the wintertime. So that's why you know, right, well, it's let a me, heavier meat. Let me blow your mind with two facts. Then we're going to get into some money saving tips for the winter.
Uh, the first fact is the Mole of America. We just talked about this, I believe, in Minnesota. Hello, Minnesota. Uh, it has no heating system. The Mall of America is actually constantly 70 degrees because of human body temperature and skylights. What do you think about that? They don't have any heating system because of the amount of people and the skylighting and all that. It's just relatively 70 degrees. Well, isn't it? Is it underground, too? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I just know that it's very large. <laughs> and they and, have, I know well, that they have, like, theme parks within it. I could see that. I mean, I walk around the mall at Christmas time, and you're, you're carrying your jacket because you don't need it. Exactly. And here's something interesting. Winter storm names are not acknowledged by the National Weather Service. That is not endorsed by the winter storm names. They are not endorsed by the National Weather Service. Now, people, we are dining on a dime. So we are here to give you uh, your money-saving tips, right? That's what we're looking for, right? So it's going to be winter time. We're heading into winter rapidly. Uh, here are some money-saving tips to, uh, you know, to save money during the winter. We talked about keeping the oven open a crack after you're done cooking. Uh, use LED bulbs in your house. Uh, that'll help you save money. Warm clothes and blankets are a good investment because that'll help you with your heating bill. Uh, experiment one night by lowering the heat. So one night, uh, say you have the heat blasting at 75, just try one night, try it at 65, see if that works. Uh, keep your blinds closed except during sunlight. Uh, try to make your meals at home because, like we said earlier, that will help heat your home. Uh, make sure you use space heaters in a smart way. Uh, replace the furnace filter. Uh, make sure you add insulation. And put an insulated blanket on, hot, on your hot water heater. Okay? And that will help you. Uh, you know, cover the heater uh, insulated blanket that's what it says <laughs> over your hot water heater and uh what else you got for the food over the hot water heater not like a not a, over a, the a heater. heater heater over the hot water yeah heater. I'm, I'm like sitting here like uh, is that even safe <laughs> no <laughs> no that was over the heater so we're gonna have five more minutes of input and then we're gonna go to a chef in canada I'm excited yes. to speak I'm with the chef. That, yeah. And the chef has a podcast, and they're going to promote their podcast. But we're going to have five more minutes of input on winter foods. In closing, what would you guys like to say about winter foods? What are your best tips, your best advice? I think one of the things that I'm going with is kind of a theme in where I've been sort of heading in my own eating and directions is uh, trying to make sure that you take in – the not only the good fats but the best part of animals when you can okay you know, get those you know uh, organ meats in especially during the winter that's when it can be really some of the most beneficial because you need those things that are so nutrient dense uh, but maybe not so filling so get your liver in uh, liver and onions is a great winter dish get okay. your yeah game meat in Keeping if you, if you in got mind a goose a Christmas goose I mean come on. Yeah. Roast beast. Yeah, um, it, Roast yeah. beast. 
Go ahead. Um, um, I would say, you know, sit down and plan out your meals um, and buy in bulk. Like you can save money if you buy in larger quantities and you are you can freeze things um, when you do de- like thaw them out. You can do there are tricks or whatever to tenderize that meat. If it's meat, um, you can freeze shredded cheese, never whole cheese. Um, lunch meats, apparently you can shred, uh, you can freeze as well. I know personally I've done that before. It's a li- you eat them fast. Um, and then buy bone in meats. If you're going to eat meat, um, you save money by buying meat that has the bone in. Um, and then, just- and then you can make stocks. Yeah, you then go. you can make stocks, exactly. There you go. And I just wanted to give uh, our listeners a couple more blind, mind-blowing facts before we go to break. Uh, catching a cold from being out in the cold is a complete myth. Uh, that is not true. There, uh, your colds are spread by germs, you know, from your hands. It's not it has nothing to do with the cold weather. All right, let's go to our interview, because we are so excited to have our special guest today. Uh, It is Danielle from the Kitchen Survival Guide podcast. And Danielle, we're so excited to have you. This show is all about winter foods. Uh, Talk about your show, talk about yourself, and then let's talk about some winter food ideas. Well, I started cooking in restaurants about six years ago, and... Uh, kind of always had, you know, this thirst for culinary knowledge. And I was lacking some of the basic foundations of cooking, like how to make a proper stock or do a julienne. And I kept wanting to learn more. So I went to culinary school and I spent thousands of dollars on a professional education. And, you know, I did learn how to make a stock and do knife cuts. But really, I found the majority of information that I was looking to learn just wasn't really covered by culinary school. And, you know, I learned almost three times what schooling had taught me just by reading textbooks and doing research of my own. So, you know, the Kitchen Survival Guide began as a way to kind of bridge the gap between institutional culinary education and actually working in food service environments without having to pay thousands of dollars for that education. And, you know, with the COVID-19 pandemic, there was this influx of people who were now cooking at home, some people for the first time and some foodies who really enjoyed learning new things now that they finally had time to experiment in the kitchen. So, the curriculum evolved to kind of encompass all these aspects of food, like food history, food science, anthropology, cooking techniques, butchery, you know, basically any culinary topic you can imagine. And it's essentially intended to be an all-encompassing kind of culinary compendium, if you will. How about that? So it's basically like being going to a culinary school, but through your podcast. Is that right? Yeah. And then, of course, you know, on our website, we have a whole curriculum of written modules. You can, you know, do quizzes. There are documents and other types of, you know, multimedia learning situations for, you know, people who honestly, you know, everybody learns differently. Right. So so all these tools are kind of pieced together. Wow. So if you're interested in getting into the culinary profession, this would be the perfect kitchen survival guide podcast would be the perfect uh, outlet for you. Danielle, tell our listeners, uh, where can I get this information? Because I would love to go to culinary school. I don't have the money, right? I'm just saying, regular (laughs) people. I can get some more helpful tips probably from the Kitchen Survival Guide podcast than I will 
uh, you know, going to school, where can we go? What What is the website that we can go to to access the show? Absolutely. Um, so the, the website is ksgpodcast.com. Okay. And obviously you can find us on social media, you know, at KSG Podcast for pretty much everything. And what, what the goal of the podcast is that you went to culinary school and you said, hey, wait a second. I kind of learned more without school. So you created the podcast Absolutely. for everyone like that. Is that correct? Yeah, for sure. That is awesome. Uh, we, um, have, we have an alcohol expert here. He has a question. Matthew Marite is an alcohol okay. expert, Danielle. He is your alcohol guy, your go-to guy. Matt, what is your question? <laughs> Not alcohol-related at all, Kevin, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, so uh, I'm going through the, the website here a little bit, Danielle, and uh, I, I was reading up on the section uh, about the, uh, I guess, sort of the anthropology uh, of food and, and sort of, you know, how cooking and, and food came from, you know, who knows how far back, you know, yeah. recorded, written history. Uh, how much of that is, uh, how much do you think we can learn from the history of food and how the history of, of people evolved in, in eating uh, sort of in ancient ways? Because that's something that I, it's a topic I've been really curious about uh, people's, you know, sort of ancestral diets and, you know, how uh, food used to be right now. So, so what's something that we can learn uh, from that? Honestly, I mean, food has been so intertwined with culture, religion, politics, you know, economics, everything across, you know, basically since the dawn of humanity. And it is really important because it's completely, you know, shaped our, the entire way we eat today in our modern cultures. And so, you know, we are a newer podcast, so that's why I've kind of started, you know, at the basics, but that. That evolution of food throughout humanity isn't something they really teach you in culinary school. You know, they'll teach you about Escoffier and the French haute cuisine culture and all of that. But, you know, they don't teach you how we now lose our, we have to get our wisdom teeth taken out because our, we eat less meat and our jaws were huge back then, you know, just, just things like that, you know. It's interesting stuff. And you're in Canada. So what a great person. In Canada. <laughs> what a great person to participate in our winter food show. Fantastic. Go ahead, man. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I'm just stunned now learning that that's the reason why I had to have like a 3-hour surgery. <laughs> because I don't eat enough yeah, meat. Not, I, and people are telling me, you know, eat less. Yeah, right. Huh? Uh, <laughs> I could have put those teeth to use. They should have just let me go. Danielle, we're gonna we're not we're not gonna have you put you to work just yet. Talk about some of the interesting okay. things. Talk about some of the interesting things you have found by doing the podcast because the podcast sounds fascinating. Uh, have you learned anything oh that goodness. you that blew your mind? I have learned so many things. Wow. Um, actually, I learned one today. I'm, I'm recording an episode about uh, ancient Egypt. And I learned one thing today that they actually had figured out how to diagnose diabetes. <laughs> and basically, if, you know, someone had to go to the bathroom and the ants were attracted to the urine, they would realize that this person had diabetes and they could treat it accordingly. And I thought, wow, like what an odd piece of information you wouldn't think that, you know, that is these odd. doctors would know back then. 
But I'm gonna give yeah. you, I'm gonna give you something else that's gonna blow your mind. We just did a learn a learn about world cuisine is our other show, and we explore we okay. take on a, we take on a culinary tour around the world, and we just found that we just did Egypt. And they also were the oh, first, really? they were also, the ancient Egyptians also had artificial toes back in like 700 BC. They were the first ones with artificial limbs, <laughs> which I thought was interesting. Wow. And prob- yeah, and probably it, because of the diabetes. And it was a couple centuries ago. Right. <laughs> so let's, uh, we're not going to put you to work just yet, Danielle. I just want to hear a little bit more. Any other interesting things that people will find out on your podcast? I mean, you know, it's it's really all encompassing. We've just started, but there are I have just a notebook filled with everything. I have so many binders from culinary school and so many textbooks that, you know, I put all this research to use and come out with an episode. So, uh, another one that's really important that we'll be touching on is knife skills and how to buy a proper knife, how to properly take care of your knife. Um, you know, there are so many interesting things about culinary that people don't touch on and and that kind of you know all of the fascinating things that I'm I'm looking to put into the show that people can genuinely learn you know as opposed to you know here's how to cut a cucumber right, right. and I was told by a very successful chef one time you have to invest in good equipment right Danielle Make sure your equipment is Absolutely. top of the line. Uh, Amaris Pollock, food photojournalist. Yeah. Amaris Pollock, local area blogger. You have a question for Danielle. Well, not so much a question. I'm going to pull off of her her saying, you know, about the knives. I know chefs have to, like, carry around their, their knives in particular, like, and really care after them. So, um, you know, I just wanted to, to acknowledge the fact that that's, you know, something that's rather important. And, yes. um I, I don't know if that's something that the general public knows, but um, are, are you tying all of your history like that you're looking up with within the cultures of food that you're creating? So you're saying that you went to culinary school um, and I'm seeing on your uh, site that you have a history of Mesopotamia and like how they were an agricultural you know society are you how are you tying that into um, the the learning aspect of people who are going to your site going okay I want to learn how to cook right so basically we're starting from the very basics and the idea of the podcast is that it'll eventually, you know, as we keep going with more episodes, it'll be laid out almost similarly to a culinary textbook, but with way more information that you're actually looking for. So we're starting with, you know, here's, you know, the dawn of, of creation, basically, and how food has evolved throughout cultures and influenced our world and focus on the history aspect first. And there's also the whole food safety and sanitation thing has been covered. And um, that is mostly something that's more tied into, you know, professional cooks rather than home cooks. But there are very important things to know as a home cook, like you shouldn't leave meat sitting out on the counter for six hours, right? You know, you'll increase your risk of right. foodborne illness. But there, there are, of course, a, a million other topics. And 
So we're trying to tie this in by starting with this history and leading into the history of French cuisine, the haute cuisine, and then tying that into, you know, this is the brigade system that Escoffier invented. And these were all the stocks and soups and go from there because these were the foundation of culinary and its evolution to what it's become in modern society. So essentially, if somebody were to begin listening to your podcast right now, they would evolve as a, you know, home cook into eventually a professional, almost professional chef, if if they so chose. Absolutely. Yeah. Kind of like a novel. You start in the beginning and keep going. Uh, Danielle, we're going to put you to work. We, we It's very rare for us to have a skilled chef from Canada on our winter show. <laughs> Uh, do you have any tips, winter food tips? we got five minutes. Uh, what do you want to tell the folks? Any tips, any tricks uh, for winter foods? So one thing that might not really be considered to most people winter food to me is preserves. Because you can use the entire fall harvest to your advantage. You can take all of these fruits and vegetables and you can preserve them to eat throughout the winter. And this is the typical, you know, idea of garde manger. So you can pickle things. You can use lacto fermentation, salt brines, um, basically anything to get items to be shelf stable and they'll hold pretty well in the fridge for a couple of weeks and you can toss them on salads, charcuterie boards, sandwiches and omelets, you know, you can even have garnishes for bloody marys or what we call caesars <laughs> here in Canada. And you know, even as a little side dish with with dinner instead of you know, getting into canned or frozen vegetables, you know, and it's it's something to take pride in because this art has been so lost, you know, among the, the last few generations. So even if you can save money at Christmas time and hand out these preserves, you know, you can do fruits too. You can do jams and compotes and things like that. And you can just gift them to people in mason jars for Christmas and it'll cost you, I'm going to say probably less than 25 cents per that? gift to hand these out. And people love them. <laughs> That's something I wouldn't have thought of. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And what are we doing in Canada during the winter, Danielle? What is your go-to soup? Uh, what, 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 as far as meals go, what do you think? And uh, where are you in Canada exactly? It's a, it's a pretty big place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm in Ontario, and I oh, live and die it. for soups and stews. Um, and, and they keep us warm all winter long. And again, you can use the fall harvest to your advantage. You can make a huge batch of soup and freeze it and bust it out on a chilly day. And, and you don't even have to put any effort into it because you've already made it. And obviously, you know, it goes without to say that chili kind of falls into that category as well. But, you know, honestly, as long as you understand the, the basics of culinary, it'll save you a whole lot of money in, in the long run because instead of buying canned soup or box stock or bouillon cubes, you know, you can get the maximum yield out of the every last bit of produce in your fridge and toss it into a super stew, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually like celebrating over here because I, I'm huge on doing that. I, I earlier spoke about how I'm using, you know, every aspect of the chicken that I had roasted. So, you know, I, I, cause I'm going to, I save the bones for making bone broth. So I, I'm, I love that you just said that. Hey, you're right. And <laughs> Danielle, we are doing a Thanksgiving show. We would love to have you come back and give us some Thanksgiving tips. 
we have an annual thanks <laughs> we have an annual Thanksgiving show that is well, uh, tremendous. Well, their Thanksgiving was a month and a half well, I know, ago. But we, American Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we would love to have you back on for the Thanksgiving show in two weeks. But before you go, Kitchen Survival Guide podcast. Let's tell everybody how they can get a hold of you. You'll be back on the show in two weeks for Thanksgiving, but how can they get a hold of you, uh, social media tags, etc.? So the website, again, is ksgpodcast.com. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at ksgpodcast. We also have a great little Facebook group with learning units and modules. It's just called the Kitchen Survival Guide. Oh. Um, and... And it's it's pretty interactive, actually. I'm I'm kind of loving the platform for that one. And and there's a great little group, <laughs> and uh, we also have a private little Discord channel that we chat and we toss around, you know, little recipes and stuff too. So we're going to encourage our listeners go to Facebook, search Kitchen Survival Guide, because that sounds pretty fun. Yeah, and it's with it Di- <laughs> Chef Danielle Benson, correct? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. And we're excited to have you back on the show because our Thanksgiving show is filled with home cooks and chefs, and we will be calling you back for the Thanksgiving show. It's going to be two uh, in two weeks. Is that okay? That would be amazing. Outstanding. Thank you for being on the show, Kitchen Survival Guide Podcast. Thank you, Danielle. Thanks for having me. All right. Dining on a Dime is very happy to be a part of the Great Cheesesteak Tour. We are at Goomba's up in Colmar, PA, which is a nice area. Uh, We're talking with the owner. Talk about this role, because the thing that separates you guys and makes you guys stand out to me is that role. That role is amazing. Let's talk about the role. Well, it's a little bakery we have here in Lansdale called the Hearth Baker. It's a recipe I played with for probably about at least three months. It's a seeded semolina loaf. Uh, we have some imported yeast from France that keeps the elasticity going to the end of the night where we could open and close it and still have that sarcone roll, if you will. <laughs> right. And let me tell you, I love small business. This is small business to the extreme. I love the idea that you care about your customers so much that you designed your role. Uh, let's, I mean, ha- what was the thought process? You could easily order a role, right, and get it sent in. Absolutely. I just thought it was easier doing a, it was, it was a tough, it was a tough decision going strictly with semolina seeded because obviously there's people that diverticulitis and whatnot and people that just don't like seeded rolls. But uh, for the most part, most people, I think, love the seeded roll. Obviously, we're doing, you know, 18, 1900 sandwiches a week on wow. a roll. So wow. I think I made the right decision. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Small business at its finest. Uh, let's give the, play, uh, give the folks at home, because we're syndicated and everything else, let's give the exact address. Where can they find Goombas? Hey, we're a little place in 793 Bethlehem Pike in Colmar, Pennsylvania, Goombas Pizzeria. That is awesome. And Comar is a beautiful area, and I really enjoy it. I used to take the train up here, uh, the regional (laughs) rail. All right, let's talk about what everybody at home is talking about. How about that name, the Goombas? Let's tell that story. Well, uh, this goes back a hot minute. (laughs) Me and a very dear friend, Goombas, which in Italian is compare, which means friends. 
And when it gets to America, the way we change names to everything obviously yeah. became the word Goomba. And a very dear friend of mine and I separated ways because he had another venture that he was involved with. So now it's just Goombas, but it's just me and my Goomba wife. <laughs> and it's friendship, right? Is it Goombas? Uh, let's talk about your menu. I love this place. I mean, I love the menu. Talk a little bit about the menu. What's your hot... Your mozzarella sticks blew my mind. Yeah. Talk about your menu. Talk about the food you offer. Oh, I have to I have to holler at one of the cheesesteak gurus. <laughs> one of the cheesesteak gurus, uh, Jeff over here. He, he started... The, he pretty much got me hot on these uh, mozzarella sticks, making them ourselves. That Absolutely. we do. That they really are good, you know. We used to use a frozen product that I wasn't really happy with. I was called out on it, and we changed it up, and it was so well worth it. And this is another reason why we want to encourage everybody to support small business. You could have easily had rolls sent in, right? Absolutely. You decided to make your own roll, create the recipe, yes. and have a local bakery make it from your recipe. And then anybody can go to the restaurant depot and get mozzarella sticks, but you care enough about the community that you decided to make it from scratch. Absolutely. And that is why people need to support small businesses like this. Uh, it's very important that you support your small business. You get the personal care. Uh, when they come in, they want to get a catering order. Who do they talk to? They can just talk to me, the owner, or any of my employees are very well trained on all of that. That's fantastic. I want to encourage everybody. Support small business, Goombas. Talk about the other things on your menu. What, do you, what else you got? Oh, God. We have uh, we, we make our own pasta now. That, oh. that was an issue that, you know, we, we were buying pasta. Now we start making our own linguine. You're making your own pasta? Absolutely. Beautiful. Our own, own gnocchis, our own linguine. I love it. Yeah. All right. Obviously, everything's homemade in-house as far as the meatballs, and uh, we, we slice our own eggplant. Chicken cutlets are pounded fresh here. With uh, We do our own seasonings. Wow. And, and you're a pizza spot, right? We're, quote, unquote, a pizzeria. How about that? And you're making everything from scratch. Family business, uh, uh, any members of your family working? Uh, my son, Santino, he works here. And my daughters, Daisy and Gabriella, they're here sometimes when they need money. How about that? Uh, let's tell our listeners, because you were very generous. Uh, we're doing this for charity. Uh, donation to veterans, and you are an extremely generous man. Uh, but let's tell our listeners, if you could give a message... To all the listeners out there about Goombas, what do you want them to know the most? Well, we're just here to support all our locals, obviously, and every peop- everyone that supports us, and we love giving it back. That's pretty much the end. At the end of the day, we, we want to give back, and we want you to leave here knowing you had a good meal for the right price. That's pretty much our end result. And Goombas, Goombas gives back by taking care on what you're serving. Absolutely. Anybody could have rolls come in. You gave a recipe from your own creation, and that is why the roll is so good here. Absolutely. Mozzarella sticks, there's a thousand restaurant depots you could have went to and got mozzarella sticks. Those mozzarella sticks are in my top ten all time. They are fantastic. Uh, We want to thank you for your generosity, uh, supporting the veterans' uh, charities, I uh, 
we did a business show. When you look at my business card and you go listen to the show, we did a business show about owning a business, a restaurant, and we did stats and figures. Word of mouth, as we all know, is probably the best way to the get the word way. out. The only way. Right. That is the best way. Uh, what about your social media? Do you have social media? We do have a Facebook page. It is a, it's under Nikki Goomba on okay, Facebook great. because uh, I set it up not so right the first way as Goomba's Pizzeria, but there is a Goomba's Pizzeria uh, page, but my Nikki Goomba page, if you will, is more user-friendly, if you will. I'll tell you what. I want to encourage you to go to Nikki Goomba. Uh, because this place is fabulous. I mean, I am blown away. We're doing a cheesesteak tour. This is our 11th spot. And that roll was amazing. We also want to thank you for your good heart, your generosity to the veterans. I thank you guys what you guys are doing for the veterans more than what I'm doing. It's easy for me. And I want to thank you again. Uh, once again, this is Goombas. My man, thank you so much, In guys. In Colmar, Pennsylvania. Dining on a Dime, the Great Cheesesteak Tour is live at Gleason's. What a beautiful place. Patrick, the owner of Gleason's, talk about Gleason's, your location, etc. Thank you. So uh, Gleason's was, it's been here actually for 40 years. Um, it's a neighborhood establishment. I actually know Pete Gleason uh, through his daughter. I went to high school with How about Ma that? Melissa Gleason, yeah. So uh, actually, Gleason's wasn't for sale. I, um, I had to pop in a couple times. I told Pete I was interested. You know, he's, we had nice conversations, but nothing really was talked about. And then I uh, actually wrote him a letter, told him why I wanted to buy the bar and what I planned on doing with it. And he called me the next day and said, come up and talk. And that was, uh, that was 2017, and I bought the bought the bar uh, February of uh, 2018. And Gleason's is a beautiful spot. Uh, give the address in the town we're in. Uh, we're doing like 20 cheesesteaks. <laughs> we're, uh, we're in Levittown, Pennsylvania, Bucks County, 6700 Mill Creek Road, uh, right down the street from Truman High School, Violet Wood Shopping Center. How about that? And let's talk about the menu. Uh, your cheesesteak is awesome, but talk about the other things on the menu. What's popular? So uh, we keep it really simple. I've, uh, if I tell you how many people come up to me every day saying, oh, you should do this or you should do that. But uh, we have a small kitchen. Um, we have cheesesteaks, chicken cheesesteaks. We offer a buffalo chicken cheesesteak. Our wings are really popular. People are loving our wings. Um, we bread them a little bit, but not too much. Hot and honey is our, is our uh, most famous wing sauce, most popular wing sauce. Nice. We also have a Tarantini Panzerati. The Tarantini family is famous over in New Jersey. Yes. Where I live for their Panzerati, so we brought them over here. And we offer uh, French fries and cheese fries. And I'll tell you what, what I love about Gleason's is it's very comfortable inside and outside. Talk about your outdoor dining. So we have a little uh, spot that we just put in through COVID out here with some, uh, you know, a rock area and some and some tables. We did have a tent set up, but we lost it unfortunately a week ago to the uh. to the windstorms. Uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> hopefully, we'll get back to that in the spring. And what I love about it is, uh, in these times during the pandemic, uh, you do want to be comfortable both inside and out. And you can, if you guys. Are looking for outdoor dining these are very comfortable uh, benches out here you can come here and have a nice outdoor dining uh talk about your specials you have anything special going on yeah we're trying to promote the uh the lunch crowd we do a we do a four-hour lunch sandwich we do a four-hour lunch sandwich uh every day 
um, you know, we do a chicken cheesesteak. We do uh, a four-hour wing selection. But uh, we also do half-price wings every Wednesday. That's a good a good day to come by if you want to try our wings. Okay, and we our show is Dining on a Dime. We're the only food show that focuses on your wallet. And I think you just said $4 lunch special. We have $4 lunch special every day. From and what is that like? What do you offer? Um, I'd have to go inside and grab it. But I'm exactly. saying you offered a variety yes, of things. Yes, exactly. Each day has a, has a $4 either sandwich or we do wings one day. And then every Wednesday, eat in only, uh, we do half-price wings all day. So. I'll tell you what. I'll be back for the $4 sandwich because <laughs> any place that offers a $4 sandwich <laughs> is in our ballpark. Uh, you got a great history. The place has been here 40 years. Yes. Uh, what are the clientele? Are they loyal? You have a lot of loyal customers, well, I'll right? I'll tell you what. We, uh, we just went non-smoking. This was a smoking bar. Okay. For 40 years, uh, through COVID, I decided to go non-smoking, and we're getting a lot of different people coming through. We've had people come up here f- from Montgomery County. They're wow. coming from Delaware because they see us on the. We're getting a lot of reviews, you know, on social media. Yeah, you're very hot on social media. I, I was excited to come here uh, because I heard about you on social media. While we're talking about social media, our show did a, a business show that taught people what it's like to own a restaurant. And we looked into a lot of interesting stats, and we found out that an unbelievable amount of people look at social media before they come to a restaurant. Do you have social media? Yes. Yeah, we're on Facebook and Instagram. Instagram, we're just launching, but uh, we have a lot of followers on Facebook. Yeah. And that's Gleason's? Gleason's. Gleason's Bar. Oh, Gleason. So I want everyone right now to go to Facebook, look up Gleason's Bar, and follow them on Facebook, right? Thank you. And uh, what else would you like to tell our listeners? We have a huge listening audience. We're syndicated. Um, if I was to ask you, what is the one thing, the one message you want to get out to people about Gleason's, what would it be? Well, we keep it simple. And, uh, you know, I had a, um, the way I got into this bar, I owned a pretzel factory, a Philly pretzel factory oh, franchise. Cool. And I, I learned through that, if you can make one thing good, you're going to have people coming. So that's why I keep my menu small i you know we we do the same things over and over so that's the best way to get good at and you know what we have just mentioned that uh on our show i'd rather have a restaurant that does a little bit of things very very well than have a menu that's 30 books like reading 30 books and then how is that cook supposed exactly. to even know how to cook exactly eight thousand things if you watch any of the restaurant impossibles or the bar rescue the first thing these guys do is they that's shorten right. the menu up and they say buy fresh buy local and shorten. and that's what you're getting at gleason's you're doing you're going to a restaurant and a bar that does a few things well but they do it excellent and rather than having thirty thousand things and doing some mediocre Thank you. So that way you know. <laughs> well, that way you know that everything on the menu is going to be at you know good, and it's kind of like singing, isn't it? Uh, it's kind of like singing. If I sing the same song every day, eventually gonna I'm going to sound pretty good, You're right? Get good at it. Right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, tell us anything else. You got the four dollar lunch special, which I'm sure brings in a lot of business people. Uh, what else do you offer? You have any? You have the half price wings on Wednesday. Half price wings on Wednesday. Uh, we're available on through Grubhub, Uber Eats. Um, and DoorDash, although me knowing the cheesesteaks the way I do it, once you wrap a cheesesteak up to go, it changes It changes that role. It does. Right so we it do does. prefer people to come in and eat, but we are available through. And uh, what I like about Gleason's, I'm comfortable sitting here. I can sit here all day. We could do a 10-hour interview here. I'm very comfortable. I'm about to fall asleep. Uh, we want to thank you very much. Uh, 
Any other? Do you, uh, so you're Gleason's Bar. So we want to encourage everybody to go to Facebook. Yep. I want Instagram. everyone to follow Gleason's Bar. Facebook and Instagram. And Instagram. Patrick, thank you. Thank you. I want to thank you uh, for your... Oh, and thank you for supporting the veterans. Absolutely. And I want to thank Patrick for supporting the veterans. Now let's get back to the studio. Oh, my goodness. That was such a great interview with Gleason's and uh, Goomba's Pizza. I'm telling you guys, they have amazing cheesesteaks. And I want to thank them for being very generous for donating... Uh, to the charitable cause, the uh, cheesesteak adventure uh, that uh, was uh, done for charity, for veterans' charities. I want to thank Goombas, and I want to thank Gleason's for their char- uh, gener- generosity towards the veterans' charities. We are Dining on a Dime, the number one on all podcast platforms. Uh, give your tags, guys. I am Matt Maratea. Uh, I host the Sporting Chance podcast. You can find me uh, talking about sports, beer, and life in general uh, every week on uh, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, wherever you get most of your podcasts. You can follow along at Sport Chance Pod on both Twitter and Instagram, and you can keep up with me uh, at mmaratea22, M-M-A-R-A-T-E-A-22 on Twitter, Instagram, and <laughs> untapped for you beer lovers. Amorous Pollock, food photojournalist. Well, obviously, you can hear me here on Dining yep. on a Dime, but you can also find me across Twitter, Facebook, uh, Pinterest, uh, YouTube, Pretty much every social media aspect, I am using the handle A-R-P-O-L-L-O-C-K-U-S, A-R-Pollocus, or my name, Amaris Pollock. Have a great week, everyone. You can find Dining on a Dime every Friday at 1 p.m. on WMLD radio app and on air at 103.7 FM in New York, the voice of the Hudson Valley.